super excited to catch up with someone. Talk about talent. Oh. You see him on NBA TV. Mm. He'll do play-by-play. Mm-hmm. He'll host. He's beyond talented. And a huge shout-out to him. He's been giving the Beam team some love. Yes, he has. Yes, He's he has. the one and only Chris Miles. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, great to catch up with you guys. You know, it was, it was cr- crazy interesting because I wore the sweater, you know, showing some love. And then we had Mike Brown on like two days later. And it was like, oh, a lot of Sacramento things yeah. happening here at NBA TV. Look at you, Chris. I love it. By the way, thank you so much for the love. We've had so many people tweet at us, send us the photo and go, oh my gosh, he's wearing two Simone crew neck. So yeah, but I mean, obviously I don't blame you for wanting to have all these attachments with Sacramento right now because it's a fun time here. And you know, I got, I, I got to know you a little bit um, last year or however many years ago that was now at the G League showcase when we first did a game together. And, you know, I always had to try and stick up for Sacramento and they weren't doing well. Well, this year it's a little bit different. What are you guys seeing over there at NBA TV? Well, it was crazy because not only did you have like a good G League team, good summer league team, you could kind of feel like, all right, the pieces are here. They got to make some moves. I mean, what we talk about all the time, right? It's like, all right, how real is this team? And the disrespect that happened around our is really when we started to talk about you guys a little bit more, right? Like in a sense, like, okay, Sacramento, Utah doing well early in the season. This is cute. It'll fade. Like that was kind of the reaction. But when De'Aaron Fox was not named an all-star off the top, it's like, hold on, hold on. We got to defend Aaron Fox, number one clutch player in the league. Which, And that's really where the narrative for us, like on a national scale, became, hey, why are people not noticing what Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis are doing right now as a, as a duo, and why is Fox not an all-star? There's the question. Uh, so anytime we went out to your games or anything, that's the first thing we're talking about. And I think that narrative kind of helped, right? Like if Aaron Fox was named an all-star just like, immediately then maybe it wouldn't have been this like controversial thing that we wanted to stand up for the kings for this so then it was like hey maybe we need to do a better job of letting people that are watching our channel know like how good the sacramento kings are and that kind of became a thing and having mike brown on the other day he started to go on all nba yes you know, Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, all nba before we could even ask the question so it was great yeah, where are you at with that? All NBA. I mean, I feel like Sabonis is an obvious third team guy. I mean, you got Jokic and B. I think Fox is a legit case this year for what he's been able to do. Legit case would be a travesty if he's not. So yeah. here's the thing, right? Look at games played because that matters to me, right? And I'm all in on about 65 being the games played in an 82 game season for someone to qualify, first and foremost, right? Mm. 58 is too low. I think 72 might be asking too much for the current NBA landscape, I think 66 games, 65, you know, above 65 is where I'm at with it. So De'Aaron Fox obviously qualifies there, but the number one clutch scorer in the NBA, a team that's, you know, second or third, I know they're third now, but at the time they were second uh, in the Western Conference, like, yeah, De'Aaron Fox deserves that. And I think the clutch scoring is enough, but his averages are where they need to be. If you're the best clutch scorer in the NBA, you're all NBA to me, somewhere in there. You deserve a spot, and we'll figure it out for other people after that. That's how I see it. So what about what about Domas? Because obviously that's someone that, you know, you watch everything going on around in the NBA. I don't know how much 
Pacers you were covering when oh. Domas was there. Okay, okay, I, yeah, okay, okay. So obviously things have changed though, you know, and not having to be next to Miles Turner, being able to really find his identity with this King squad and this offense. What, what are you seeing from him this season? Well, first and foremost, and I mean this with no disrespect to Miles Turner, DeMontis Sabonis took that spot and was like, this is what you should be doing with it. <laughs> Right. Mm. So let's understand watching that happen. When Miles Turner was the guy, he was the guy they drafted, the guy they paid that was supposed to be the real deal. And Sabonis kind of came over in a trade as like the extra piece. Right. Like, don't forget that that that's how he ended up in Indiana. Like, oh, we can go. All right, we're going to move Paul George. We're going to get an all star back. Right. Let's see what this other guy like can bring to the table. So when I saw him go to Sacramento, I'm like, all right, he's a double-double machine. But then the triple-double started to pick up. Oof. And that's that's an indication of a well-coached offense. That's an indication of a team that understands to move without the ball. And that's what the Sacramento Kings are. I think his deficiency is the same as the rest of the team, right? He's not a rim protector. And this team lacks defense from that on. But I think offensively, he's an absolute juggernaut. And that's what we're seeing this season. I think some Kings fans obviously are enjoying the season, but trying to understand, okay, like how real is this season? Because yeah. the Kings go from Vegas thinking they're going to win like 32 games to here they are, like you mentioned, the number three seed right now in the Western Conference, and they're going to end the playoff drought. How, how big of a threat do you think this team could be in the postseason? Well, props to everybody that took the over on those 32 wins, right? <laughs> I mean, that's that's an easy money. Easy that's money, what we call yeah. that, right? Um, I, I think for the Kings, man, I know they can score in the clutch, right? We've already been over that. I know they can outscore teams, but take this loss to Boston. That's, that's what playoff basketball is going to be. Can you defend, not the entire game, right? But can you defend when it matters? Yes. And I remember defending De'Aaron Fox, and you might remember this, Morgan, like, Three, two, three years ago, I was like, do you know he has the number one pick and roll? He's the number one pick and roll defender. Did you know that about De'Aaron Fox? Because people were like banging on him. I'm like, have you seen Foxy? Have you seen how good he is? Because the team's not good, but that guy's good. And people were like, Chris, he's not that good. I'm like, he is that good. Watch him. So I know he can do it defensively. I just, and I know off night can do it defensively. But then I look at the rest of the roster and I'm like, who else do, do you trust? And I think that's a question Maybe they have to answer in the offseason because if you can answer that question, you go from, oh, great to break the 16-year drought from the playoffs to, okay, now you're contending. Because next year, if they're able to have a good postseason, that's going to be the question, right? This is the, the, the you know, house money year. Next year, yes. it's going to be, all right, can you defend? Yeah, yeah, now you got the wins. What are you going to do for us? It's so, it's so true. And that's what we keep telling, you know, so many. I love – fandom of all teams and I think Kings fans especially not only because I'm here I've been a Kings fan my whole life but um you're you saw a, a a fan base that hasn't seen winning for so long so then the expectations were small in the beginning of the year but people were still excited and now that they're good it's like championship baby let's go and it's like all right all right no let's calm down like how they're already ahead of schedule and you're exactly right the way that we see this team develop and what the tweaks that they need to make for next season to be better especially on the defensive end is going to make a huge difference because you're looking at postseason basketball we don't know 
right now where the Kings are going to land. I know the magic number is four. They need those four more wins and depending on what other teams do as well. So for you, though, when you look at the Western Conference right now, do you have a favorite in the Western Conference? Absolutely not. This is Ooh. this is ridiculous. So first of all, right, I, we on this very program, Game Time, Three and a half years ago, Candace Parker said, oh, Nikola Jokic should be in the MVP discussion. And I remember Twitter laughing at her. Right? I remember it happening clear as day. And I was like, I don't know what's wrong, people. I'm watching the same thing you're watching. And I see this guy belongs in the MVP conversation. But point is, I've been waiting for the Nuggets to just, like, be that team. Okay? And it just is not happening. And I kind of look through the conference and I'm like, there is a – when I say question mark – there is a, a huge blemish with every team. For the Kings, it's defense. For the Nuggets, is can we trust you know them defending the wing? Uh, for the Suns, can they be healthy? For the Grizzlies, they have injuries up front in the John Morant situation, right? Like there's just there's so much to to wonder about every team. I would have said the Nuggets, and I would have said the Grizzlies before um, Stephen Adams and Brandon Clark's injury and John Morant, you know, missing time. Yeah. So. I don't. I, I don't have a favorite because I'm scared about every team. Like in the East, it's the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, it's been that way since before the season started for me throughout what's happened this season. I said they're my favorite to win the championship. And if Chris Middleton can be healthy, which he is now, I don't know anyone that can beat them. But on out West, I could see the Kings. Why not go to the conference finals, right? Everyone else has a question mark. Why not you? Yeah, wow. I mean – it's hard to argue that I because know. I don't. I'm with you, Chris. I don't trust anybody, and I've had my moments throughout the year. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm in on Denver, and then you're like, actually, am I on De in on Denver? Is Jamal Murray like 100? percent Porter is as talented as he can be. He could be wildly inconsistent, especially defensively. So you have questions there, and then with the Suns, I just wonder, even if Durant gets back. Are they going to have enough time to kind of build that cohesiveness yeah. and try to do it in the playoffs? I feel like that's pretty challenging. Well, I, I don't feel like they have enough bodies that, look, if you're going to go from April, we'll say 10th or April 15th, whatever date you want to use, to the middle of June without Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, or Chris Paul missing time, I don't see that. I just don't see that. Right. You can go look back the last couple of seasons. I feel like one of those guys, whether it's a hamstring or missing a series or not being, you know, even 80 percent. I just that's the only reason that I'm not saying the Phoenix Suns and because Kevin Durant in warmups, you know, before he could play a home game, boom, oh. goes down. So, I mean, it, it came to fruition. But talent wise, it would be the Phoenix Suns. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker alone. Those two and DeAndre. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, that's what that's what's it's pretty wild when you do look at the West and you just talk about all the talent that is there that just recently came to the Western Conference. And even looking at the Dallas Mavericks, you know, they added Kyrie Irving next to Luka. There's been um, a lot of health problems there as of late. Do you see anything with those two working out and having a future together? Well, I'm very biased oh. about the Dallas Mavericks because I have friends on that staff, right? So I, I you know, I, I kind of almost have those Dallas Maverick colored glasses on all the time. Oh, like, oh, it's going to work out. Um, Luca coming back is a big deal. 
And with Kyrie and, and Luca, you know you got two closers that are definitively not like, oh, they can do it, but like have shown us over and over again their capabilities. But yeah. they gave away their defense. I mean, they literally, the, the, the guys that were good on the defensive end, they were like, all right, we're going to ship you off. Same thing to the Suns now. Mikel Bridges is Mr. Availability, right? They say availability is the best ability. They gave him away. But I look at Dodo leaving as kind of like, man, he was the glue guy on defense. And remember the Mavs run last year? They had the fifth best defense right after Jason Kidd came in. And you look at January on uh, through the playoffs, and that's why they went to the Western Conference Finals. So I'm a little bit afraid of their defensive identity just not being there. But offensively, I think they can hang with anybody. Yeah, I, I just, I look at Luca and I feel like he almost needs another disappointing, like he needs a disappointing finish because I think he is as great as he is. I think he can be better, not only on the floor, but his conditioning. And sometimes you need to feel a little disappointment. Yeah, failure. To get there. And maybe this year is that year for him because I just look at him like he could be one. He's already great. We know this, but. I think he could be so much better. What, what do you make of, of Luca? I think from the way that he plays, he needs a roll to the basket, big that plays above the rim, and really that's simple. Like, I know that seems like Chris, really? That's it. A hustling play above the rim, like Clint Capella, uh, obviously like the creme de la creme, all, like in, would have been like Dwight Howard, but like that type of guy that wants to set the pick, roll hard, rebound, play around the basket. Mitchell Robinson. You know, like, there's a lot of guys out there that you think of, like, oh, yeah, if he was with Luka, uh, sky's the limit. But they haven't had that guy. And Dwight Powell is, you know, 6'8". I mean, he's the same. Remember seeing Dwight Powell, like, he looks like Smitty. He's about Smitty size. <laughs> when he was a two-guard, right? Like, they need somebody that has bounce, that can, you know, finish plays around the rim, think you know john collins first couple of years i know we haven't seen that in a while but like just someone like that on the floor that opens it up for luca that's what i think okay before we get to um coach of the year oh he, he, it's mike brown right He's i mean not gonna... I, well that's a, I, okay actually just go straight to coach of the coach of the year chris do not even you <laughs> son so of a... here's the thing he's got friends this is what it is no, no, no. They're, they're, you know, a lot of times when it comes down to the voters, there's sympathy for teams that have like had a title wave and mm. still kind of. And I kind of look at Taylor Jenkins and I oh. go, I think he's going to get the vote. Mike really? Brown, what? Mike Brown, three weeks ago, a month ago, I'm like, oh yeah, Mike Brown, obviously. But when I kind in, in, I'm just saying the turnaround in Sacramento is a great story, and I'm like, man. Like, the Grizzlies are second out west. Tyus Jones turned it up a notch. They had played without their center, without their backup center slash Paul Ford. Then they started the season without Jaron Jackson Jr. And then this John Morant thing happens, and it's like they're still right there. So I think, I think the voters are it's, – it's, I think it's going to be one of those two teams. I think you're either going to have Taylor Jenkins and Mike Brown. Here's the thing that Mike Brown does, and you guys know this. He's a media darling. Right. So once you interview him, you're like, I like this guy. Check my vote. And Taylor Jenkins is very personable, but I don't know if he has that same like, I like him 
feel when you're done talking to them. You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, for sure. And obviously that's going to play a part in any of these situations. But the thing that I will say too, this has to, this has to be one of the main things, Chris, is that Mike Brown is taking a team that has the longest playoff drought in the NBA with 16 seasons and in his first year is putting them into the postseason and not limping in, you know, not like playing and like limp, let's get in. It's like they are up there. And I, get I mean, they might have home court advantage. And that's, that's where I'm like, I do go, oh, it has to be Mike Brown, but it is fun hearing an outside perspective because for me, it's like, oh, it's, <laughs> it's obviously no one else. I was thinking Missoula, if anything. Oh no! <laughs> I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna save that one. Um, I, I I think the I'll just say this: I think the Celtics have lost three coaches that they you know whether you look at Emi Udoka, Will Hardy, and now Damon Stoudemire, and I think you're starting to see like some of that unravel a little bit. So mm. we we'll put that over here and kind of and move that. Interesting. The, the narrative for Mike Brown is strong, and I think it might have like peaked a little early for voters. I'm not saying how I feel. I'm saying I'm trying to get in yeah. the mind yeah. of the guys I know that vote and what they say to me and what they might say in this situation. So I think it's it's a it's a two man race, Taylor Jenkins and Mike Brown. I think Mike Brown, like you said, 16 year drought, the longest drought in the four major professional American sports, right? And a team that was just not on the radar coming into the season that no one expected, and a team right? That didn't make a, a major addition during the season, right? It's not like they went and got someone in the offseason that's like, that player is the reason. No, it's the coach that is the difference between this year and last year. So I think that all of those things point to what you're saying. And I think there's just going to be two guys and it depends on what narrative you like more uh, and who you vote for. I have a feeling I know who your MVP is based on what you were saying about the Bucks. Are you are you leaning toward it being Giannis again, or are you putting Embiid there? First of all, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm the founding member and president of the Giannis fan club. Oh, I don't know. You're the founding member? <laughs> oh my goodness. So I'm you so can glad ask to anyone, meet you. Here's the thing. Now it's like, people are like, what? Like how you just reacted. No, I was telling people about Giannis. You know how people go, no one predicted this. I was annoying people predicting this when Giannis was 19 and 20 years old. People were like, stop. He's not going to wow. be that good. Stop. Wow. Yes, and, and you know Chris Miller, the play-by-play voice for the Washington Wizards. They're Nick Ashew, who does – you can ask people, and they'll be like, actually, Chris is not – he's not lying to you. He was wow. telling us about this guy back then. So when I see what he's accomplished and the fact that he should be – I saw the odds for defensive player of the year. Brooke Lopez, right? is favored to win defensive play of the year. And I watched, we did the bet stream for the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks game. And Devin Booker caught the ball on the wing. You can go find it. I think it was in the second quarter. Saw Giannis. It was like, ooh, Mufasa. And threw the ball away, okay? <laughs> he, threw the, he just threw the ball away, like, on the wing. This is yeah. Devin Booker. He caught the ball and was like, oh, not him. And threw the ball in the traffic. And we were talking about it, like, did you see that? Later in the game, he saw Brooke Lopez and was like, mm, barbecue chicken, crossover, 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 score. And, like, the point that I'm making is Giannis, you know, you see these, like, memes. I think Mario Chalmers were like, people didn't fear LeBron, whatever. Yeah. We'll get into that. 
do you ever see people's faces when Giannis comes out to defend mm. me? Oh, they're scared. Your favorite player is like, oh, not him. And that's kind of like defensive player of the year is an award he should be getting this year. MVP is another award he should be getting this year. Just go look at points per minute in NBA history. And there's my case. And he makes everyone else better. You're selling and me. He does. And, and I'm glad you brought up the point because I, and it's nothing against Brooke Lopez. because no. I think Brooke Lopez has done a great job. But his life is easier defensively because yes. of Giannis, because of Drew Holiday. Like, they've got legit pieces on that team. And, uh, you know, Lopez get all love right now, and I, I admire that. But Giannis is unbelievable. I agree. No, I agree. And it, I know you are obviously the founder of the fan club. But, I mean, for people who aren't even fully in that fan club and would love to be, by the way, um, I totally agree with you in what he's capable of doing on the floor is just magical. And I hope that that voter fatigue just doesn't get in the way with some of these guys and their talents. But one last thing. Do you feel like people are leaning toward Joel Embiid right now, though? I do. And here, here's my, like, objective jokes aside take. There are three guys deserving of the MVP this season, right? Nikola Jokic, Giannis, Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. I feel like to the victor goes the spoils. Whoever has the best record of those three players, right? The stats add up. They all deserve it. That guy should be your MVP. You look at games played, games missed, all of it seems to be in the same category between those three guys. Best record between those three teams. I think you give it to that guy in all NBA to the other guys and let let them sift through it. But uh, Nikola Jokic with the triple doubles, more triple doubles than Wilt Chamberlain, Joel Embiid finally bringing it every single night. I saw like, I think George Carl and Gilbert Arenas were like, oh, uh, he takes plays off. I'm like, you're watching last year. Joel Embiid doesn't do that. This is no disrespect to Joel Embiid, but he's taken a bit of Giannis and added it to his game. So that's that's where I'm I'm going with Giannis as my MVP. I agree with you, man. I, this was a fun conversation, Chris. It's You're, been too long, man. Yeah. And, you know, we were like last time we saw you. It's a G League showcase. We're so busy just trying to get through all the Prep. games and prepping and stuff. <laughs> but dude, it was it was good catching up with you. Thank you for taking the time. Well, summer league this year. Make sure that uh, you know we we get breakfast or something. I know it's like very busy for everyone. Breakfast, yeah. lunch, dinner, or something. Absolutely. And, you know, and hopefully I get a, another Kings game. I had a, a couple uh, two years ago. I don't think I had any last summer. So hey, we'll take you around Sacramento hey, if you hey, could ne- get never know. Here. NBA TV could be here in June. I mean, hey. I, I don't know. <laughs> Probably you not, know, but we could dream. My dad for not making that part of the equation. I'm yeah, skipping yeah. July. And you're like, what about June, Chris? Yeah. That's a great point. Um, Chris, thanks so much, man. We'll t- we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks for having me.